Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 12 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. Here with me is Sean Corner. He is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. Chris Rabon, he's our senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. And joining us is one of my favorite Twitter personalities, Denny Carter, at CDCarter13. Uh, he is the proprietor of Draft Day Consultants, co-host of the Living the Stream podcast, the better looking half of Fantasy Mensa, and the proud owner of Low T Levels, Denny. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I think you're underestimating how handsome Pete Overzet is. I just want to say that. I'm not, and I'm, I'm giving you the slight edge. But Sean, how's it going? What's up? Last week, uh, it was a little bit brutal, um, especially in the Fantasy Pros contest. I had Robert Woods like 10 slots higher than ECR, so his surprise uh, inactive really hurt me. And the, really unfortunate this didn't happen, but hopefully for whatever personal reasons, um, he's okay. I hope everything goes well there. I don't want to talk about fantasy pros because uh, it is not going well for me at all. Uh, Denny, week 11, any takeaways that you have from it? We have a little thing called a podcast on the Living Stream Patreon page where I uh, defended the Brian Hill process uh, last week. Um, This doesn't necessarily apply to Brian Hill uh, into you know coming into this week, but he saw a decent volume. He saw 16 touches against a bottom dwelling run defense in, in, in the Panthers. The takeaway was that the process was good. The results were not great, but I think that uh, we can and maybe should ignore that. That's so that that sort of outcome next time uh, a running back comes available at a, at such a, a cheap cost and somebody who's available on a lot of waiver wires. He had a one-yard touchdown run uh, that got called back due to right. kind of a ticky-tack holding penalty. And, yeah, people will be talking about him differently if, you know, that didn't happen. So, totally. so I agree. Yeah, and we're in a situation this week where, uh, again, we do have some, some uh, Hill-esque type of guys to talk about with Bo Scarborough and Jonathan Williams. So we are, we are right back there again. Denny, I want to start with you by uh, looking at the quarterbacks at the top of our rankings. Right now, uh, we have Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson at the top of our Week 12 rankings. Jackson and Deshaun Watson, both of those guys are off of the main slate, but for people in season long, they're definitely in play. Who are the guys you like this week? Well, I mean, one, one guy who uh, it, at, a, at a very low price uh, DFS-wise that I like is is Nick Foles. And I know that the, the Jags have a pretty pretty bad implied total. I think it's around 20 right now, but uh, Tennessee is a, I think kind of a low, a low key kind of good matchup for quarterbacks. 72% of yardage gained against the Titans have come uh, via the pass. That's the 11th highest rate in the league. Uh, Tennessee is allowing uh, 17.7 schedule adjusted fantasy points to quarterbacks. And, you know, la- we saw last week Foles had almost 300 yards and two touchdowns in, you know, negative script against the Colts. So the Jags are a three point dog here. We could see, you know, some of the same kind of stuff unfold. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll take I'll take the garbage time points from Nick Foles. All right. So you are relatively high on Foles. Sean, you are relatively high on his former teammate, Carson Wentz. 
He's someone who is popping uh, in some of our Fantasy Labs models. He's also in play for DFS there. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that he's popping our models because I, I have him ranked as the uh, QB6 right now. And, and I think he's a guy I've been kind of saying, you know, the time to buy low on him was a couple weeks ago. He, he's been in sort of a brutal stretch. Um, you know, he obviously had the game last week against the Patriots, which I think he did pretty well. You know, if Nelson Aguilar caught that touchdown uh, at the end of the game, um, I don't think he'd be priced 5600 this week. So he's at home against the Seahawks, much better matchup. He's only 5600 so I think he's a great play this week um, on DK. I'm projecting him right now that Alshon Jeffrey will be return this week. I think if he's out, I'll probably bump him down a bit because they're, I mean, the receiving court is pretty brutal right now. So, you know, this, this is sort of with the caveat that Jeffrey suits up. I like him this week. And, you know, the, they have the fifth highest team total this week. We always mention that's, that's pretty correlated with, um, you know, QB projections and what we expect from them. So I look for him to bounce back over these next few weeks. He has a pretty easy schedule. So he's a guy I've, I've been buying low on the past couple of weeks. Raybon, one guy you are relatively high on is Jeff Driscoll, uh, who has some, I mean, I think kind of undervalued uh, abilities as a runner. He actually has three pretty good receivers to throw to and, uh, you know, an up and coming tight end and TJ Hawkinson. What are your thoughts on Jeff Driscoll this week? What can we expect? I mean, that was a heck of an intro for you. I mean, you just kind of nailed all of the reasons to like Driscoll. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the rushing ability is key, you know, He's averaging 23 uh, DK points in two starts with the Detroit Lions, and uh, I think he has an he has an outside shot at getting that 100-yard bonus on the ground. Like, they haven't been kind of capping him as far as throwing. Um, when they got behind against the Bears, he threw 46 times. And, uh, you know, he does have, as you mentioned, weapons, you know, Galladay, Jones, Hawkinson. So um, this is a Redskins pass defense that, uh, you know, we saw Sam Darnold, who – had struggled in even some, some, some pretty good matchups, uh, kind of come alive against them. They are number 26 uh, in DVOA against the pass, uh, number 21 against the run. Uh, so I think dual threat-wise, uh, one way or the other, uh, Driscoll will find his way to pretty high floor, probably 15-ish fantasy points, but he has that upside for uh, another 25 or, or so. So one guy I'm relatively high on is Aaron Rodgers. He's coming off of the bye. And although it's a tough matchup with the 49ers, they've looked fairly ordinary over the past three weeks or more ordinary than they did at the beginning of the season when they were just dominating teams defensively. So I think it's an underrated spot for him. One guy I'm relatively down on is Tom Brady. And Denny, I know that you also are low on Brady this week. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look on DK, he's he's priced at QB8, which is just seems way too high to me. So, I mean, this is uh, a team that obviously struggles offensively. They, they're running the ball a ton. New England is 11th and runs per game. And I was looking at, you know, his recent game logs. So Brady has thrown 93 passes the past two weeks and scored a grand total of 23 fantasy points. We in the industry call that not good. Sean, where are you on someone you're relatively low on? I don't like the other quarterback in that game. That's at the same price at 6K, Dak Prescott. I mean, this is pretty easy take to have. Any QB against the Patriots, uh, we fade. But I think people will still be tempted to take Prescott here at the cheaper price. Um, I mean, he's been tearing it up. But where do I even begin? You know, the the last QB to throw for over 200 yards, um, other than Wentz last week, was Big Ben in week one. Um, and the Patriots, they've become, you know, pretty run funnel defense lately. So I think this is a game where uh, we'll see a lot of Zeke uh, carries. And, you know, going back to team totals, the Cowboys have the same team total as the Redskins this week. Um, so my model really doesn't have many touchdowns to go around for this offense. So, um, you know, Dak, it, 
I, I think the way he hits value might be his rushing ability, but, um, you know, at 6K, I'm not willing to take that chance. I think he will be over on this week. I think people will kind of overlook the, the tough matchup here and still roll with him, uh, but I'm going to be pretty low on the, him this week. Yeah, it's an intriguing spot because the Cowboys have the number one pass offense, but they're going against the team that has the number one pass defense. So it's, uh, I think, a, a good litmus test in a way, even though it's just one instance, but a litmus test for kind of like what, what matters more, like offense or, or defense? How can you uh, kind of go about predicting, uh, you know, projections for instances like this? Raybon, what are your thoughts on Dak? Yeah, uh, kind of the same thing. I am. I don't like him in DFS, though. I am a couple spots higher than you guys uh, in the rankings. I have him at as my QB ten. Uh, generally, uh, in terms of you know offense versus defense, I find that with quarterbacks and a lot of the efficiency metrics, it's it's kind of in that sixty forty two to one range uh, offense. So uh, perhaps that's why I don't have him dinged quite as much as you guys. But um, uh, also, I think New England struggled with Lamar Jackson, which is something to kind of note. Um, now that that could be good because they got now they got practice against them, but uh, you know Dak did play well against you know the Vikings, another team with a pretty strong pass defense. So uh, I do have him as a fringe top ten option, but uh, fading him in DFS. All right. Well, on the topic of Dak, uh, Sean, I believe that you have a prop that you are going to offer to us. By the way, everyone should check out the Fantasy Labs prop tool. The props on there with a bet quality of ten, dating back to last season, have a sixty percent win rate. Uh, so a pretty useful tool for everyone interested in props. Sean, hit us with your Dak Prescott prop. Yeah, so I want to do a Dak passing yard prop. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the most intriguing props to bet on this week um, and one of the toughest things to project right now. Uh, right now I have them at 254.5 passing yards. I that's tough. That's a that's a really good line. Uh, I have them just over. It's early in the week, so I can't say I won't adjust. <laughs> but I mean that uh, I, I'm gonna I'll go with my model, uh, what it says now, and go over. I think that like the thing about Dak is he has three receivers that can can kind of make big plays, and we've see, kind of seen it out of Randall Cobb now too. Um, so you know I, I think that it could it could be kind of a high volume game where he gets over on a low yard per attempt. Yeah, I'll have the under, but I have it at 253. Nice. So I'm right there with you. All right, it sounds like I don't need to do much tweaking. This sounds like a consensus line here. Denny, do you have a take here? I go over. I'm going over. Because you know why? Because I want it to happen. That's why. Over 254. Let's get to the running backs. The three guys at the top of our rankings, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Nick Chubb. Denny, uh, any thoughts on those guys or anyone else that you would kind of include in your top tier of running backs for this week? Alvin Kamara's usage was, you know, really telling last week. I think maybe coming back from from that injury, uh, he gets Carolina this week. And I mean, you can't ask, you can hardly ask for a better uh, running back matchup than that. So I struggle to keep him out of my, my top tier. All right. Anyone else you are relatively high on? I guess Derrick Henry would be one against the Jacksonville defense that doesn't seem to be interested in, in stopping the run in a, in a Tennessee offense that, you know, desperately wants to run all the time. That makes sense to me. I'm with you there. I actually have him number two overall, which is super aggressive, but I, I mean, I think it's kind of warranted. The, the Jags are a run funnel and uh, they're facing an offense that wants to run as much as it possibly can. And, uh, you know, it's a week where there aren't all that many great running backs available. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on board on being aggressive there with, uh, with Derrick Henry. Sean, what are your thoughts on Derrick Henry? 
Yeah, I love that call. Um, I'm high on him too. Uh, he's only 6,900 on DK, so he's going to be one of my more popular uh, running back plays this week. Um, you know, they're fresh off the bye. They're home favorites. Um, this should be the time here where we start seeing massive workloads um, from him down the stretch. We saw it last year uh, where they took advantage of, you know, the defense is being a little worn down this time here. So um, he had that just ridiculous um, closing stretch of the season. We could see something similar this year, probably not as good. Uh, but, you know, the Jaguars, they've been struggling uh, against the run ever since uh, Marcel Darius went down um, in week eight. He was placed on the IR. So we saw, you know, similar backs to Henry, like Carlos Hyde put up 160, 160 yards against them. And then Marla Mack put up 109 before getting hurt. And then Jonathan Williams came in and put up 116 himself. So we've seen these, you know, bigger between tackle backs um, excel against the Jaguars. So uh, no reason to think Henry can't crush the spot. Uh, the other guy is Bo Scarborough. Uh, 4,200. I, I kind of wish I ranked him a little higher last week. I, I did like him going in, but it was more of a speculative kind of thing because, you know, the Lions, they've been searching for, you know, sort of a true workhorse back ever since Kerryon Johnson went down. And Scarborough at least has, you know, 20 plus carry potential. Um, and I think, you know, last week he, he got 14 or 15 carries despite a trailing game script. Um, so I think this week at Washington, um, we should see him put up between 15 and 20 touches. So I think at 4,200, um, you know, he's a good way to invest in, you know, a bunch of touches and uh, touchdown potential this week. So, so I like him a lot at that price. All right, and Raybon, who are you relatively high on? Uh, I love Le'Veon Bell. He's only 6,400 on DraftKings. And going against this Oakland defense that is uh, number 22 in rush DVOA, Bell has been a guy that's been high usage, high snap rate guy uh, for most of the season. And, you know, I think he's still a little underpriced, you know, started, had that really rough start. So, uh, you know, going against, again, this Oakland defense, not very good on the ground and not very good through the air either. Number 23 in pass DVOA. So I think the Jets will be able to move the ball uh, and get him in position for some goal line carries as well. So love Le'Veon at 64. I think that's a great value. All right, Denny, you are relatively high on Adrian Peterson and low on Chris Carson. Can you, right. give me some, uh, can you give me some thoughts on those guys? Yeah, so, yeah, Peterson is my bullheaded play, I guess, here. Uh, 4,300 on, on, on DraftKings. I know Darius Geis is back, but, you know, you, I think you can't underestimate just how committed to the run of Washington's offense is going to be. So if they can possibly hang this week at all, I think Peterson has a chance – to see some volume. I mean, just last week he saw 11 touches in a total blowout loss. He saw 19 touches in a 14 point loss the week before against Buffalo. If Washington can hang in there with Detroit, uh, Detroit is giving up a lot, a lot of points to running backs. Only KC allows more schedule adjusted points to running backs. And um, Detroit has given up 10 rushing touchdowns this season, which is the third most. So if Washington can manage to you know, get the ball near the end zone, which, you know, is, is, is hard to say right now. You know, you, you know that Peterson is going gonna, is gonna to have a chance. All right, and then Chris Carson, what are the negative thoughts on him? Yeah, well, I, I just – I think at his DFS price, it's just – I mean, maybe, maybe he profiles as like a contrarian, like large field tournament play or something at that, at that price. But the matchup is, is just super ugly against Philadelphia. Philadelphia allows, you know, less than a 20 schedule adjusted points to, to running backs, which is uh, among the uh, – the stingiest in the league. Uh, Carson has ha seen some action, you know, some passing game action in uh, games where uh, script turns bad for for Seattle. 
Um, but I'm not sure you can you can rely on that. I mean, I'm just looking at his recent target numbers for the price. I'm just I'm really really not into him this week. All right, Sean. I mentioned earlier that we have Nick Chubb in our top three, and that is because Raybon and I have him ranked number three. I believe you have him ranked I don't know number seven, number eight, something like that. You're you're relatively low on him in comparison to the other two good looking guys who do the rankings with you. Uh, can you talk about your thoughts with Nick Chubb? Just to be clear, you know, running backs two through seven, I have separated by about 0.3 points. So there's going to be some shuffling there. But, but yeah, he's the guy I'm a little bit lower on this week in DFS uh, just because he's 8,100 this week. Now, granted, I love the matchup at home against the Dolphins. He's actually, he has the most projected rushing yards and rushing touchdowns in my model right now. Uh, but, you know, ever since Kareem Hunt um, has returned, he's been non-existent in the past game. He has five total receiving yards in the two games. So I think that caps his upside. Um, on a PPR site like DraftKings. Uh, so he, he basically has to score one or two touchdowns at that price to hit. Um, and I just think it's you're better off um, spending down at guys like for guys like Derrick Henry and Bo Scarborough, especially that are, you know, 20 potential carrybacks with touch on upside. That's basically what Chubb is this week um, at 8,100. So I think just at that price, he doesn't have the ceiling right now um, due to his lack of, um, you know, involvement in the pass game to warrant it. All right, Rayvon, uh, in the top three, we see Fournette for uh, Sean's rankings. You have him ranked number six. Uh, can you talk about Fournette? Yeah, I think Fournette is going to, to drop off a little bit to close out the season with Nick Foles. And the reason being is Fournette not really the greatest shotgun back. Uh, so with Gardner Minshew, they uh, were able to play a little bit more under center and, and kind of line up Fournette in the deep eye. Uh, but Nick Foles, you know, he's a guy RPO almost exclusively operates out of the shotgun. And if you look at Fournette in his career, uh, just 3.5 yards per carry uh, and 7.1 uh, yards per catch, you know, out of the shotgun. But under center, it's 4.2 yards per carry, 11.1 yards per catch. So he's a lot he's a lot easier to defend, you know, when he's in the shotgun. And Foles is probably going to keep him there. Uh, and, and this is also a tough matchup against Tennessee. They are the number four rated defense in terms of rushing DVOA. So even if the Jaguars kind of want to commit to the run, I don't think this is the matchup to do it. So um, that combined with Raquel Armstead, uh, his routes uh, per drop back have increased for three straight games, uh, you know, 10% a couple games ago, 17% and then 25% uh, in the last game. So uh, those two factors kind of just cap a little bit uh, of Fournette's upside. And, you know, like kind of comparing him to Chubb, Chubb actually – like Chubb and Hunt are being used on the field a lot at the same time. So I'm a little more scared of, of a guy like Fournette because Chubb, he ran 57% of the routes last game, 81% the game before. So that averages out to about 67, which is right around his season average of 69. But um, Fournette, he needs all as much as he can at this point because I don't know if the efficiency uh, is going to be there. Nice. Uh, let's go to the the rushing prop, Sean. Uh, I believe you want to talk about Philip Lindsay. Yeah. So Philip Lindsay, um, you know, right before game time uh, last week, they announced they wanted to basically make him the workhorse back. So I went and hammered the over at any prop uh, for his rushing yards I could find. So I hit big on that. But you know, um, they kind of abandoned that heading into the second half, and then they blew the twenty point lead. So curious, your guys thought um, Philip Lindsay potentially being the workhorse back against a run funnel defense. Um, I have the highest projection I've had for him all year at uh, 73 and a half rushing yards. So I want to see if that makes any sense to you guys. I get it, but I'm going to take the under. 
it's pretty aggressive and I kind of can't trust anything that they say in terms of how they, they want to split the, uh, the workload between the two backs. So I feel like I just have to kind of uh, revert back to what it is that they've done uh, for the first 11 weeks. Yeah. I like the under as well. I'm kind of probably putting numbers to what Friedman is saying. Um, you know, I kind of use situations if there's data, like a, a weighted average of uh, the last few weeks in terms of splitting up the carries and, uh, you know, he was over, he was 64% two weeks ago and then 62% last week uh, for the year, he's at 57% of, of the running back carries. So, I mean, there, there was a slight increase last week after they said that, but nothing real major. So when you project him for about uh, just over 60%, um, it's not changing his, 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 uh, his numbers that much. I'm a, I'm a little scared of, uh, of script going sideways here for for Denver the matchup is bright I think but like last week when they had to start uh when they had to kind of abandon the run against the Vikings uh that sort of torpedoed Lindsay's uh, rushing production I think that we could see that again here uh against Buffalo though you're right about it, it is it is definitely a funnel run defense so it it, it makes sense I want to say yes but I think <laughs> I have to go with the under all right Sean just locked it up the clean sweep there yeah hoping that's a trap line but yeah. who knows Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Joining us to talk NFL DFS is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, week 11, did it treat you gently? Week 11 was pretty good, actually. Almost had a really, really big score. I was in first for a while in the luxury box with Dak, Gallup, and Cobb low-owned. And Jim finishing fifth, but uh, yeah, strong week and just hoping to to trend uh, the rest of the year. All right, let's get into week 12. How do you think you're approaching cash games and GPPs? Yeah, I think that it's somewhat wide open. Um, so you can just kind of build what you think is best. Um, we'll see how news breaks throughout the week. But I don't think there's like huge, huge chalk. And I could be wrong. Um, we'll see how things kind of break down with injuries. But I think it's a more open week than we've seen in the past. So it's going to be game stacking in tournaments and just looking for the best plays. All right, we are recording this on Tuesday night. As of right now, who are the quarterbacks who have caught your eye? I think the quarterback I like most on DraftKings right now is Matt Ryan. He's been playing great all year, going up against Tampa Bay, big funnel defense. I expect Matt Ryan and the Falcons uh, to continue to play decently well. I mean, the defense has been a big surprise coming off the bye, but they've been playing a little bit better than their record, and Matt Ryan has been balling all year. So Love him versus the funnel. I think Drew Brees is interesting. Basically, everyone in that division is good. Drew Brees, Jameis Winston. And a player that's cheap that's standing out right now in Fantasy Labs models is Carson Wentz, who I think is a strong play as well at Seattle. I wish he had Deshaun Jackson, but do like that price tag. Yeah, you mentioned Matt Ryan. Uh, definitely going against a defense that's having a lot of uncertainty right now at the cornerback position. At running back, who do you like? Running back is is really tricky this week on the main slate. We're going to have to monitor what happens with Devontae Freeman. He's a, a big piece to fall. And if he plays, he's probably a pretty solid play at 5,100. And if he's out, then we're going to have to look at all the backups. Uh, really like Leonard Fournette as well, 
who uh, is kind of getting the squeaky wheel. They're talking about feeding him even more. Uh, obviously love his volume. Uh, I was encouraged by Alvin Kamara's usage. I think he's interesting as well. Uh, prefer Derrick Henry on basically every site outside of DraftKings where it's PPR. But he's another strong play. Running back's just a tricky position because there's there's not like the standout plays that we've had in the past. So that's where I'm struggling a little bit to figure out what is optimal. Um, but there's a lot of good plays and certainly love Miles Sanders at 5K. He's one of my top plays overall right now. What are you thinking about wide receiver? Yeah, wide receiver to me is a little bit better of a position versus uh, running back. They brought Michael Thomas's price down to 9300 on DraftKings. I think you can jam him in. You have the Atlanta receivers, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, which I think are strong plays. If you're going to play Carson Wentz, now Sean Jeffrey ends up being in, which would be a boost for Wentz. He's only 4900 so I think he's intriguing as well. Um, Devontae Parker going up against Cleveland is rating decently well for me. Uh, D.D. Westbrook's another interesting guy. I think there's quite a few plays. And if you want to get really thin, this is on brand for me. But Amari Cooper is really, really cheap, as are all the Dallas guys. And it's a brutal matchup going into New England. But uh, this Dallas offense is for real. Yeah, I mean, we have the number one passing offense going against the number one passing defense. Uh, you think at some point the the Patriots will be able to stop them, but, I mean, you've seen stranger things happen. Uh, and I imagine Amari will also have pretty light ownership too, so uh, an, another point in his favor there. Finally, for tight ends, who are you looking at? Zach Ertz, which is kind of why I mentioned Carson Wentz earlier. I really like Zach Ertz this week. I think he's a really strong play at only 6K. Uh, he's going to get a ton of volume, and – also like Dallas Goddard, if you want to pivot off him uh, or play both potentially with Wentz. Uh, I don't hate that. So those two guys are standing out quite a bit for me, not going against the Jets. If you want to save money, Vance McDonald versus the Bengals uh, is a really strong play. We'll see how the news breaks for uh, all the guys on Pittsburgh. But Jared Cook looked pretty good coming back. And Austin Hooper could be a pay-up to be contrarian play as well, assuming he is uh, good to go. I already was trending in the right direction. We'll see what happens with his injury. All right, finally, is there a contrarian stack uh, for a team or maybe a game that you might be looking to stack that you think will have low ownership? In the Dallas one before, um, but another stack that I really like uh, that we haven't talked too much about is Baker Mayfield. Uh, Miami's a dream matchup, and I love game stacks. I think Odell Beckham finally has a huge game. Uh, Chubb is interesting to me, Jarvis Landry. So I'm pretty high on uh, Baker Mayfield in the Cleveland passing game, and Running it back with Devontae. All right, that was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week 12. Okay, let's get to the wide receivers. The guys at the top of our wide receiver rankings, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, probably no surprise there. Denny, is there anyone else you would want to include in your top tier? Uh, top tier, I think, well, one guy I'm, I'm particularly high on, maybe higher than, than some, uh, DJ Moore, uh, based on what I think would be likely game script, the the – Panthers are pretty heavy underdogs here against New Orleans, and we've seen what happens when Carolina has to chase points, and it's, you know, it's not terrible for DJ Moore. Uh, you know, last week when they were chasing points in Atlanta or against Atlanta, he saw 15 targets the week before against Green Bay. He saw 11 uh, when they were down to Tennessee and had to take to the air. He saw 10 targets against the Titans. Um, you go down the list really and, and you'll see any time that they've had to, um, they, they've fallen behind more has been peppered with targets. So if you're talking about opportunity, I, I do think that he's a bit underpriced, uh, especially on, on DraftKings. 
And to your point, I think it's a, a good situation for him this week in that even though the Saints have been good against the pass this year, they are expected to be without Marshawn Lattimore, mm-hmm. uh, who they were without last week. And so uh, I think they're going to use Eli Apple in shadow coverage, and uh, he's just not the defender that, um, that Marshawn Lattimore is. So an, an improved right. matchup for him. Sean, who are you relatively high on this week? So I'm, I'm liking Devontae Parker at 5,200 this week. Uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, people are going to overlook just because he's on the Dolphins. But ever since, you know, Preston Williams was placed on IR, he's been sort of the alpha receiver on this offense. Um, so he's averaged six catches for 102 yards uh, the past two games. I think that should continue this week. Should see plenty of garbage time. Um, at Cleveland. Um, and this is with, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick as QB. As soon as Josh Rosen takes over, I'll probably sour on uh, Parker and Gusecki. So uh, this is all, you know, just as long as Fitzpatrick is starting, I think Devontae Parker will be overlooked a bit. Um, and the other guy that I'm liking, it's so early in the week, we don't really know the Steelers' availability, like uh, Juju and Deontay uh, could miss this week. I would love James Washington at 5K right now. You know, we've seen the past few weeks, actually, he's diversified his route tree where he's no longer just, you know, the low volume deep threat. He's running a lot of different routes. They've had Johnny Holton is the guy that just runs deep 30% of the, the snaps and, you know, they never throw to him. Uh, Washington, I think if if both receivers are out, Washington could see, you know, eight to 10 targets in this game. And I think at 5K, he'd be a free square this week. Plus, there's the shower narrative in play with his college quarterback, Mason Rudolph. So have to give lots Always. of those. Lots of credit to that. Raybon, I believe there are a few wide receivers you're relatively high on. Who are these guys? Uh, like Tyrell Williams this week, the, the Jets are just one of those matchups where you want to target a team's uh, top receiver. Uh, Jets are allowing the most schedule-adjusted yards to number one wide receivers in the league at 91.5 per football outsiders. They rank number 24 in DVOA against number one wide receivers. So I like him at, at 5.9K. Uh, Tim Patrick, he's kind of another guy, free square. Uh, He's min-priced on DraftKings. He saw eight targets last week in in his return from injury. Remember that Denver, you know, they lost Emmanuel Sanders. Deshaun Hamilton runs routes but just doesn't get targeted. He's like Andre Patton or something. Uh, He just, you know, completely inconsequential on the football field. So I think you could see another uh, eight-target week because Tredavious White, the, the Bills' top corner, uh, he could follow Cortland Sutton. Buffalo's also one of the better teams uh, perennially against the tight end position. And Noah Fant's been getting a ton of targets lately too. So uh, I think this sets up well for Patrick at 3K uh, in, in DFS on DraftKings. And uh, Anthony Miller, he's another guy, you know, starting to play a full-time role. We saw him get uh, 11 targets, six catches last week. He's running pretty much, uh, you know, a route on, on most of the pass plays nowadays. And the Giants get just torched in the slot. They've been getting torched in the slot all season. So um, at a 3.5K, I think he is another guy that you could, you could look to. Um, there, there are quite a few guys in that lower price range this week. I think, as Sean mentioned, too, like if, if Juju and, and Deontay are out, you have Tevin Jones at, at mid-price. You have Johnny Holton, who got seven targets last week. He's essentially the old James Washington. He's, he's cheap, too. So uh, a lot of guys down there to, uh, to kind of target. Denny, it looks like you're relatively low on John Brown, uh, who obviously is coming off like a season best game yeah. last week, but that was against the Dolphins and everyone tends to uh, to look very good against the Dolphins. It's a different matter this week with his matchup going against Chris Harris Jr. What are your thoughts with him? Right. So he's now in the price range on, on DraftKings of uh, guys like Edelman and uh, OBJ 
I cannot uh, justify that sort of pricing. He only 52% of targets against Denver this year have gone to wide receivers. That's the fourth lowest rate uh, in the league. Uh, last week was the first time Brown saw more than five targets since week three, which kind of shocked me, but I did confirm. And uh, no team has allowed fewer wide receiver receptions this season than Denver uh, as teams, as you guys know, attack Denver mostly on the ground, um, whether that has to do with, you know, Harris in the secondary being good or the fact that Denver just faces a lot of bad game script, uh, whatever the case may be. I just don't see a volume-based case for Brown. He, he could always catch a long ball from Josh Allen. You know, that's obviously in the cards. Um, but I, um, I, I, think, I think he's a fade this week. All right, one guy uh, who is a, a fade for me, and Sean, he's also a fade for you. Uh, Tyler Boyd, he's a perennial fade for me, basically. And I'm, uh, I think, pretty hardcore anti-Tyler Truther. I love that he is targeted almost as much as anyone else in the league, and yet he still can't manage to, uh, to get the production that people want out of him. Can you continue to pile on to him for me uh, while I just watch and, uh, <laughs> and enjoy what you say? Yeah, so, I mean... DK pricing is pretty good this week. There aren't many guys I think are overpriced. So he's just the guy I'm coming out on record. I have to tell myself I will not play Tyler Boyd. Like, you know, Bart Simpson, the chalkboard, right? Over and over again, I will not play Tyler Boyd. Like, I've been trapped by him so much. And this week, you know, on Tate might miss. AJ Green will probably be out again. So he might be, you know, projected to do good. But as long as Ryan Finley is quarterback, you cannot play this guy. If, if he's popping in a model or something, just avoid him at all costs. Do not play him. The underlying metrics are there. He gets the targets, but Ryan Finley is throwing him the ball, and that just doesn't work out. So I just have to tell myself on Tuesday, no matter what happens, I'm not playing Tyler Boyd this week. Did I see that he has 91 targets and no touchdowns? Is that correct? That, yeah, that sounds about right. Wow. You have to be talented not to find the end zone with that many targets. <laughs> Raybon, we talked earlier about uh, the the matchup that the Cowboys passing offense has going against that really stout Patriots defense. Obviously, that will impact Amari Cooper. What are your thoughts with him? Yeah, and Sean mentioned it. There aren't many guys that are completely, like, egregiously overpriced this week. So I'm going to go with a talented guy, unlike uh, Tyler Boyd. And a guy that's just a little further down uh, my rankings, and it looks like the consensus. I'm uh, I'm at number 18 with Amari Cooper right now. That's probably the lowest I've had him all year, but he's at six six 6.6K on DraftKings. He's the 10th highest priced wide receiver. Uh, reports are that he's still been affected by, you know, knee, ankle issues that have been kind of plaguing him these last couple of weeks. He only played 55% of the snaps last week. Now he has to go against the Patriots. With that comes probable shadow coverage from Stephon Gilmore, who's allowing 46% uh, of the targets against him to be caught for only 5.7 yards per target. Uh, and then New England as a whole ranks number five uh, in DVOA against number one wide receivers. And they allow the fifth fewest schedule adjusted yards per game to number one wide receivers at 57 and a half. Uh, both of those are per football outsider. So just a tough matchup for Amari. Um, you know, I, don't, I think it's going to be a below expectation game for Amari. All right. Well, the guy who has the opposite of a below expectation game is Julio Jones. Sean, I want to get to you because I believe that your wide receiver prop of the week is for him. Yeah, I think he's he's a tricky guy to project for me. Um, I'm expecting this to be an obvious, you know, eruption spot at home against the Buccaneers. But, you know, we've seen this Falcons defense resurgency uh, hit the past couple weeks has been insane. And they faced Jameis Winston this week. So I'm also afraid we could see a 
pretty positive game script where they, you know, the Falcons won't need to throw that much. So um, curious to hear your thoughts on my projection. But right now I have Julio at 89 and a half receiving yards. Over. Bang. Over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have him significantly higher. Part of that, I think, is I'm expecting Austin Hooper to miss, which kind of bumps his target count up a little bit. I think Sanu drew a few more targets than, uh, than Gage does on a per-route basis as well. So just have Julio's target count kind of ticking up. And Tampa Bay is just not one of those teams that kind of forces you to go other places <laughs> when you don't yeah. want – you know, they, you can go to your number one against Tampa. So uh, either way, I like Julio. I'm in, I'm in kind of a dark place about Atlanta's defense being, being decent now because it's like, it's like ruined my redraft life because it was so fun, you know, to play your Falcons players based on, you know, the likely volume, the, you know, tons of throw. I think they, at one point they were averaging 43 passes a game. And so I hear what you're saying about, about, you know, that improved defense changing things perhaps. But I think even, even with that, I think you go over for Julio in this game. Real quick, I just realized that I, I have Hooper tentatively expected to play. That's probably, you know, as a Hooper owner in 80% of my league's wishful thinking. So, yeah, I think if, if Hooper's ruled out, I could see bumping Julio up closer to 100 here. So just want to put that out there. That's why I'm so low right now, I guess. And, yeah. I, and I, wanted to, I just wanted to point out, like, a lot of people kind of weren't wondering about that, that turnaround for the Atlanta defense. Uh, it seems to be what the, the, the kind of – what, what kind of springboarded that was during the bye, Dan Quinn uh, took Raheem Morris. Uh, I believe he was former coach of the Bucks, actually, but he was the he was the wide receivers coach, and he made him the defensive backs coach. And we know the Falcons. One place they do pretty well is that wide receiver, and one place they do not do pretty well is that defensive, you know, back. So uh, apparently, like it's they, they've been a lot more organized, and there have been a lot less coverage busts um, since since kind of moving Morris over there. So. I mean, ten through. I guess we have to expect that to to kind of continue until we get proven otherwise. Yeah, the uh, the long term revenge game for Raheem Morris against the Buccaneers <laughs> can't uh, can't ignore that either. Um, no, I'm I'm totally uh, with with Raybon on this. the The Bucks are allowing the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. They allow, I believe, the second most air yards and yards after the ca- the catch combined to uh, opposing wide receivers, and their their cornerback list I mean it's just like Vernon Hargreaves uh, or Hargraves was cut last week they benched Jamal Dean and Ryan Smith guys who deserved to be benched but only if you have other guys who can actually play the position which they don't MJ Stewart their slot corner is injured so uh, they're starting a rookie dime safety Mike Edwards as their slot cornerback like they're basically at the point in the season where they're just throwing anyone out there and hoping that this guy can actually manage not to be the worst player at the position in the league at that moment so uh, I, I love the spot for Julio all right, let's go to the tight ends here. Uh, the three guys at the top of our rankings, we have Darren Waller, Zach Ertz, and Mark Andrews. Uh, Denny, any thoughts on those guys and uh, anyone else you are relatively high on? Mark Andrews freaks me out. I mean, he ran 15 pass routes last week, something like that. That pass route uh, stuff with Mark Andrews freaks me out as far as sustainability goes. Um, but uh, hopefully – if it's a neutral kind of game script game, I think that he could be more involved and have more opportunity here. Um, but I, it, I just kind of hedge on him a little bit. One, one guy I think, well, I'll be playing a lot of this week on, on DraftKings. He's only 4,200 is Ryan Griffin. Uh, in the last three games without Chris Herndon, the fourth, he has four, eight, and five targets. Uh, 24% of targets against Oakland are to tight ends this year. That's the fifth highest rate in the league. And we even saw, you know, the, the ghost of Tyler Eifert catch three passes last week 
against Oakland's uh, secondary. So I, I, I think Ryan Griffin is a thing, you know, and we've been talking about him on living the stream for a while now. Um, and if, you know, for redraft purposes, he's still out there on a lot of waiver wires. I, I really like him this week. Well, we've been talking about it for a while too. <laughs> oh, we've been talking about it longer. We've been talking about it for years. You don't even know. Oh no, no, we we actually uh, we are jerks. We had the pod father Matt Kelly on, on on the pod last week, and he he kind of came out of left field a little bit with just like a lot of Ryan Griffin love against the Redskins, and like we were all just like, what? No, yeah. like, he's like the no. fifth best option on the Jets, and then he, of course he. I'm still sure that he's doing a victory laps on that okay you are high on ryan griffin sean you are relatively high on vance mcdonald give me the lowdown yeah so uh, i have vance mcdonald i believe tight end 10 right now and that's before or that's assuming that juju and deontay suit up this week so i think if either one or both those guys ruled out um i mean he's gonna shoot way up in my projections and he's uh 3500 um, and they're at the Bengals. You know, I think we'll see a pretty conservative game plan where they just dump it off to him a ton. Um, and the Bengals have been pretty prone to tight end lately. They've allowed four top 15 tight end finishes in the past two games. So I think it's a prime spot for McDonald. And, you know, we should mention tight end this week is really bad. Um, you know, Kelsey and Hunter Henry are on a bye. Uh, we might see Kittle, Hooper, and Ingram miss again. And I believe Mark Andrews isn't even on the main slate. So this is a pretty bad um, tight end slate. So I think, uh, you know, depending on the Steelers receivers health, I think Vance McDonald could be a pretty chalky play this week if they're both out. All right, Rayvon, within the context of this being a really thin slate for the position, you are high on Mike Gesicki. Give me your thoughts there. He's got, he's got six, uh, six targets in three straight game games. He's obviously since Ryan Fitzpatrick has taken over, he's, he's come alive. You know, he's been relevant. Uh, when Rosen was there, it was, it was just, you know, lights out for him. His route participation rate, which I, you always like to see for tight ends because the reason it's such a, a, an ugly slate usually is because a lot of these guys are just, you know, not running very many routes or they're not very good. And Gusecki, because as Sean mentioned, Preston Williams is on IR. Gusecki has a real shot when he's running his routes to, you know, be the number two target on that team behind Devontae Parker. Uh, he ran a season high 90% uh, of the pass routes uh, a week ago. And, you know, with that kind of participation, he's going against Cleveland, their number 24 in DVOA versus the tight ends. Uh, their weakest spot in terms of DVOA directionally is toward the middle of the field, cornerbacks uh, on the outside. So funnel a situation. And then you look at Gusecki's game logs and, and nothing really kind of jumps off the page with him, but uh, he's played Pittsburgh in uh, Buffalo twice in his last uh, six games. You got to kind of schedule adjust for that just, just a little bit since we're working with a small sample here. Um, and uh, I like Gusecki a lot. So he's my number 10 tight end uh, this week on, again, what's a pretty ugly slate. All right. Speaking of ugly, Cameron Brait had 14 <laughs> targets last week. Uh, thanks in part to the benching of OJ Howard, who somehow managed to uh, help Jameis Winston get an interception by uh, like, shifting the ball behind his back and then popping it up into the air. Really one of the most uh, athletic plays we've probably seen this year on the football field. But uh, Cameron Brait is a guy who now seems poised to, uh, to get a lot of the, the tight end work there in Tampa Bay. But Denny, you are relatively low on him. What are your thoughts? I mean, mostly my thoughts are, are we sure that the benching, the punishment of OJ Howard is going to continue into this week and, and going forward? 
that's the main thing. But the the matchup is also on the ugly side. We, we keep talking about ugly. Only 18% of receiving yards versus Atlanta have come via the tight end. That's one of the lowest rates in the league. Uh, and the Falcons have held tight ends to less than eight fantasy points uh, in all but two games this season. It was Darren Fells and I believe one of the Colts tight ends. But tight ends have not been targeted and they have not produced much at all against the Falcons is pretty much every other position until their recent, you know, sort of defensive resurgence. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just I'm not, not interested with uh, Brait this week. Sean, just go ahead and keep piling on Cameron Brait. I know that you also dislike <laughs> him. Yeah, I'm just urging caution. I, I, he's pretty tempting at 3,600, not going to lie, but I'm not interested in playing whack-a-mole with the tight end situation for the Buccaneers. And we have to understand the context. You know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are both shut down. So, you know, Brait and Scott Miller – especially having big games, um, you know, we might like them a little bit more going forward, but we have to, we have to temper our expectations a little bit because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin aren't going to get shut down both the same week again. So I think that, um, you know, going forward, uh, maybe Brait or Scott Miller will, will have some success, but uh, I'm fading Brait this week. All right, Raybon, who are you relatively low on? <sighs> Ryan Griffin. No, just kidding. Uh, no, Jimmy Graham. Uh, and this is, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even think this is news at this point, but, uh, you know, for everyone out there that kind of, you know, looks at the name or, or maybe the quarterback and, you know, says, oh, you know, this guy could stream this guy. Like, please don't. Uh, he's my tight end 23 this week. I think you guys are pretty much in line. Uh, going up against the San Francisco 49ers in what should be a good game, you know, for us watching, but not a good game for Graham. The Niners ranked number one in DVOA uh, against the tight end position. They're allowing only 262 schedule adjusted yards per game to tight ends that's first by 7.8 yards per game over the next uh over the number two team so they are just not giving up much you know it's kind of gone overlooked with how well their cornerbacks are playing but uh on the outside but they're just not giving up you know much to the tight end and it's getting later in the year this is that time where you we're starting to see Gusecki and, and Noah Fant and Irv Smith start popping Dallas Goddard like these young guys at the same time I think you have to be careful with guys like Graham and Witten and, and start to uh you know look at them look for them to uh, to wear down all right Sean give us the tight end prop yeah, so just giving Ryan Griffin maximum exposure this week in honor of the Podfather. Let's do Ryan Griffin receiving yards because uh, we have to. Um, I have his over under at thirty seven and a half. Under, oh. and I don't even want to have to justify it. Just under. Over, over, over. Yeah, I'm surprisingly under. I mean, he's my tight end eleven, but I do have him a little bit under. So I'll go with the model. But uh, he's he's been popping big plays. So, I mean, it's kind of a volatile projection. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over, but I'm still going with the under. All right, let's get to a couple of quick Twitter questions here. Denny, one for you. The highest T play of the week. <laughs> I mean, I have to go back to Adrian Peterson. That's a, that's a high testosterone play to just plug in, you know, the primary early down ball carrier for a team that has no interest in passing the ball. I mean, rightfully so, because their pass game is, is horrific. It's a nightmare. Playing a, a running back and a, yeah, on a team that's supposed to see a you know, negative game script, just do it. High T, very high T. All right, Denny, one more question for you here. What are your thoughts on uh, the Colts running backs versus Bo Scarborough? Which one do you think you might be interested in picking up? I think it's Scarborough. I mean, if you're talking about volume, the, the, the Colts are talking about timeshare. We don't really know who's going to get the, the most opportunity there. I think it's a little, a little bit of a guessing game uh, unless, unless something has happened in the past you know, hour uh, that uh, says otherwise, um, any news breaking or, or whatever. But uh, it's Scarborough for me. 
Okay, Sean, I want to kick it to you. We have a question from Colleen Cassidy. What is a defense to stash for the playoffs? That's a great question because it shows you're preparing for the playoffs. But however, I, I want to tell you, do not stash a defense for the playoffs. I think you're better off stashing, you know, high upside running back. You know, that's a backup that could, you know, inherit the starting role if the starting running back goes down. Uh, I'm a fan of just streaming defense every week. So I, I'm not going to condone you adding a defense to have for multiple weeks. So I think the best advice is do not stash a defense right now. We'll, we'll deal with that when the time comes. Maybe before uh, week 14 or 15, I'll have some preemptive defensive rankings to help with that, but it's too soon to do that right now. Raybon, any players to stash or trade for with the playoffs in mind? You know, for that person, if they really want a defense and you, like, <laughs> and you talk about trading, no, like, I've said this the whole – like the Patriots have, have two of the best matchups, you know, in weeks uh, 15 and 16. So, you know, right now, you know, they, they play at Cincinnati in week 15 and they play Buffalo in week 16. So a lot of people are like anti-trading for the Patriots and like all this stuff. But, uh, you know, if you, if you can trade for them, like you could start them in the interim. So it doesn't really matter as far as like stashing. <laughs> who, who would you use to pry the Patriots defense away? Like I would try to do it with like a flex type or wide receiver three type or package deal to get the Patriots. Because, I mean, those two matchups for that defense – in the fantasy playoffs, if, if you're kind of set. This is like a stereotype, but it's very possible that whoever drafted the Patriots did it too early. They think, oh, like, I have this fantastic asset. I don't want to trade them. And they've been getting so much out of the Patriots that the Patriots are basically carrying them into the playoffs, even if the rest of their team is suboptimal because the Patriots have just been so good. So they're not going to trade the Patriots. You know, that's, like, I mean, that's fair, but like you've got to hear, like you've got to hear some of the ridiculously boneheaded trades that I hear like on the radio every week that have gotten made, and like so, like I'm just saying for people out there, all you could do is try. All right, Sean, I want to kick it to you. This is a question from Gavin Casper. What do we do with Brian Hill? Well, if you have Brian Hill, the options are pretty limited, um, <laughs> and you know. Devontae Freeman has a chance to return this week, so that'll make the decision real easy. But, you know, if Devontae Freeman's out this week, Brian Hill is the highest-ranked player that you have available um, to put in your starting lineup. Just do it. Denny mentioned it earlier. I think the process itself was solid. He, he did see um, 15 to 17 touches, I believe. He had that one-yard touchdown called back. Uh, but the volume should be there. This is a brutal matchup for running backs. Um, against the Buccaneers so you know he'll probably lower my rankings this week but if you have him you likely add him because you were desperate at running back or you had Devontae Freeman so I mean there's nothing you could do you can't really trade him away for anything Um, and like I said Devontae Freeman returns this week it's pretty easy either bench him or drop him but not many options to have with Brian Hill right now all right Raybon final question this is from hot take time machine great Twitter name by the way why is Miles Sanders so high in PPR is he just that high under the assumption that Jordan Howard is out uh no actually so he's he's that high because his targets uh his routes have been ticking up lately uh if you look over the past uh six games he's at right about 11 percent target share for for the season he's at about nine percent so trending upward I tend to weight that uh, a little bit more, especially in a situation with the Eagles where they're just uh, – they're really j- desperate for pass catchers at this point. I mean, we'll see if Alshon Jeffrey's back, but they don't have a lot of explosion. So I think that uh, they'll continue to target Miles Sanders in the pass game. All right. That is it for the Twitter questions. That's it for the show. Uh, Denny, thanks for uh, joining us. Everyone be sure to follow Denny on Twitter at CDCarter13. 
Thanks, guys. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows later this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.